Special shout out to today's episode to SeatGeek. We recently partnered with them to become a brand ambassador. What does that mean? Well, for you, it means you get a special discount when you make your first ticket purchase with SeatGeek. With my code, InjuredListPod, you will get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket purchasing app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert events, and more. They score each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10 to help you know if you're getting a good deal. Green is good, red is bad. My followers get $20 off their first ticket purchase using my code, InjuredListPod. Click on the link in the show notes and browse for your favorite events. Your next big night ever is waiting, and they have the tickets. Fantasy Sports Corp and Underdog Fantasy have teamed up to start your fantasy season off in the win column with Best Ball. What is Best Ball? It's quite simply the easiest way to win. No team management, no trades, no waivers. It's their biggest contest ever and it has only gotten bigger. You simply have to sit and win. You don't even have to set your lineup. Always get your best score every week. Just enter a contest, draft your team, and Underdog will do the rest. What could make this even better? How about free money? Up to $100 using our exclusive promo code. Go online now and use the promo code InjuredList to double your deposit up to $100. You tell them Gingerbread sent Good girl. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List podcast, Brian Scott. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Once again, we've got an amazing guest on the podcast this evening. Without further ado, I'm going to bring him up to the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome in Mike Hollis, former NFL kicker, pro bowler for the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the original members of the team, in fact, uh, when the organization was formed in the mid-90s. Mike, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. So, Mike, let's take take it back uh, several years, maybe more than that, but um, to when you got picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars as a, a signing, a free agent signing, if I'm not mistaken, um, out of uh, college. You were uh, in Washington um, at the time. Idaho. And originally from Ohio, uh, Idaho, right? Oh, I'm sorry, you played at Idaho, too. Uh, take us back to that time in your life, uh, how you got on the team as a kicker, if that's something you did before, as most kickers, sometimes they come from another sport. I don't know what your background is there. Enlighten us. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, most kickers are, 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 are soccer players. Um, that's kind of where my, my background of, of kicking a ball started. And, um, you know, I kind of always had kind of a strong leg. I was always the one that did like the penalty shots and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I played, uh, you know, since I was like 12 years old or so, uh, somewhere in that area. 
Um, a lot of um, neighborhood kids that were very active. And so my whole neighborhood growing up was full of a bunch of athletes. And so we just had a lot of fun doing all kinds of crazy stuff, um, which actually is part of my, my back issues initially, just, you know, <laughs> snow skiing and things like that. So that's really kind of where it started. But yeah, you know, um, playing soccer and, and um, enjoying football, watching football as a kid too. And, and um, you know, when I, when I played in middle school, we had a lightweight heavyweight team. So um, I was a small guy, so I was clearly on the lightweight team and I, I played other positions. So I wasn't, uh, you know, I was playing against guys that were my, my size. So I wasn't too, too worried about getting beat up too bad, but when I went to high school, it was, you know, free for all. So it was all, you know, everyone's everyone on the, on the, in the school can play football no matter what weight you are. So, um, I, I didn't play my first year. Um, then my, I had a brother that was, um, at the school and said, you know, we, we have a, a guy on the, on the team that's just a kicker. Why don't you just try that? And I, I didn't think that was possible. I thought we had to play something else. And so, um, I tried out and made the team in, in high school and then, you know, did pretty well in high school. And I actually, you know, the, the name's, uh, Jason Hansen, uh, the kicker for Detroit Lions for many, many years. Uh, his brother, Travis Hansen, was my age. We, we all grew up in the same area, Spokane, Washington, right? So um, I played against them in, in both soccer and football, but Travis was my age. Jason was a couple years older. And when it came time to recruiting out of high school, I was I was a better kicker between Travis and I. Um, but I think because of his, his, his name and his brother, of course, I think he got a little, little bit of a, a better opportunity to, uh, to go on to a full ride scholarship to University of Washington. Plus, he was a smarter guy. I wasn't incredibly intelligent. Uh, my grades were, were not even good enough for for University of Washington, although it is a pretty prestigious school. But um, so I went on to a junior college for two years and, and did pretty well there as a blue chip All-American my first year. And then um, did pretty good my second year. And then I found myself in the same kind of situation I did coming out of high school. It was like I was looking for colleges to go to and nobody was offering any scholarships. So I ended up um, basically kind of walking on at University of Idaho and where, you know, they had actually a scholarship available if I could beat the guy out. And so that's uh, that's what I did. And uh, University of Idaho is only, you know, an hour and a half south, um, southeast from from my hometown of Spokane. So close to home and and, uh, and a dome, too, which was nice. <laughs> I played indoors. Um, that's but, that always helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, those kickers love love indoors. Plus, you know, with, with my back and dealing with cold weather, it wasn't as bad. But we did play in Montana, Montana State. And you know, Weber and, and uh, places that were kind of kind of cold. So um, then, yeah, I, I did fairly well at uh, University of Idaho and I had, you know, pretty strong leg and um, statistically field goals. I wasn't the greatest, but I had some power and that got me noticed. And I got on with the Chargers actually in preseason 94. And then uh, eventually after convincing Tom Coughlin that I wasn't too short to kick a football, uh, I actually had to work out for them twice for the Jaguars and eventually got on um, training camp, of course. And then I beat out uh, Scott Sisson, who was the kicker that they were kind of thinking would be the guy because he was a veteran. And, and I was, you know, just still a, still a, a first year player, um, a free agent, basically a rookie, but um, yeah. And then rest is history, basically. Awesome. And now you, you, you've kind of hinted a, a little bit about your back. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But what I first want to touch on is maybe you can help us dispel some of the myths around that surround kickers and their athleticism and their prowess or lack thereof in the field. Um, but also, I want you to touch upon the mental aspect because I feel like there's a lot of plenty of people out there that probably have a strong leg and kick a ball quite far. But when you're talking about getting to that elite level, of being a professional NFL kicker, you, you just have to have a certain mindset and be able to basically tune out all this stuff around you in order to focus on what you're doing 
And it's not just like once a game to make the game winning. It's literally every single kick. So if you can, dispel some of the myths surrounding kickers and how you were able to kind of basically black out everything around you and focus on your task and be so successful at it. Because you did it for nine plus years at a Pro Bowl level. Yeah, you know the the myth myths behind kickers. There's you know there's that 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 kind of that saying that kickers are a little quirky, they're weird. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I've seen it. Uh, I coach. I've been <laughs> coaching for 18 years now. I coach you know uh, kickers. I got my own academy here in Jacksonville, of course, but uh, I've seen it with with some of the guys that I've coached as well. But it, it's it's kind of that that it's weird that you know kickers are kind of labeled as weird because of the, the mental side of it they just they just they're kind of like a mental head case when it comes to games and it's 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 tough to deal with pressure situations but i wasn't that person at all and ask any teammate of mine on any teams that i played on they would be the first one to tell you that i was a normal guy um i'm a team player i, I participate in a lot of the you know the workouts and lifting things and and i'm always there with the team and and um you know doing things with the team as a team so um when it comes to the mental side and the reason why a lot of kickers are a little bit strange in a sense is because they, 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 they think too much about uh, the kick, you know, on game day. And, and that's really what the, the, the hardest thing for a kicker to do is, and this is going to be very strange for you to hear this, but is to not care where the ball goes. Um, um, you, you, you have to have the ability not to care so much because when you care too much, you, you do stuff and that's when you get mentally shot because you you're trying too hard. And, you know, when you're when you're at a, at a level of football, at the highest level of football in the world and, you know, you're you've done things repetitiously day in and day out on the football field of practice. Why would you want to do anything different on game day? Why would you why would you be? Well, yes, we're all nervous. I you know there might be guys like Adam and Terry that weren't nervous at all, but I'm sure there was still some nervousness you know, within him. Um, but you know, on game days, it's, it's a little challenging because you have to convince yourself that you, you don't need to do anything more than you had in practice. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very, uh, tough thing to do because now it counts. And, and that's where really I'm going with this whole uh, process of, yeah. of the mental side of this, because when it, when it counts, that's when they shrivel up and, and, and do things differently or, you know, second guess themselves, or they have a little bit of lack of confidence or whatever the case may be. Um, but here's the thing, too, is like, you know, you, you know, I've had the question about, you know, how do you treat a game winning field goal? How, what's going through your mind? I'm like, well, yeah, I, I understand what the consequence will be if I make or miss this kick, but I can't treat it any differently than the first extra point of the game. You know, I, I can't do anything different. That's the luxury of kickers we have is that if you do it properly, if you think about this. You don't have to kick a football differently based on where you are on the field. Now, yes, when you get back to 50 plus, yeah, there might be some, you know, a little bit of incentive to put something more into it. But you still have to control that without getting out of control and, and getting too erratic with that. But my point really is that, you know, as a kicker, you don't get penalized if you kick a field goal too far. <laughs> you know, all it has to do <laughs> is go through the pipes and over the crossbar. Yep. So why would you kick an extra point just barely, you know, just tapping an extra point and then kicking a longer field goal really hard? Or, you know, there's two different, three, four, five, six different types of kicks that you're going to be working on based on where you are in the field. And that's really not not the best way to do it. You want to just work on one and, and kick it the same way regardless of, of how far you are from the goalpost and really kind of more or less regardless about the, with the conditions too. I mean, I've played on really bad fields. Yeah. You're, you're kind of conscious of the footing, um, but you can't think about that because again, it takes your mind off what it is you're trying to do and you're going to do something different, kick it carefully or whatever. 
Um, you just have to have confidence in your footing, like you make, wear the right, right shoes. Now, sometimes you will slip. It just happens. But my point really is that uh, you, you shouldn't really do much different on, on any kick. Uh, you got to treat them all the same, regardless of the conditions. Yeah, I mean, great points you bring up there. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle probably in, in that regard is, uh, you know, letting that seep into your mind that this is a big kick or I'm in a different arena, different stadium different environment, the weather, you know, letting all these other factors, external factors kind of come into your mind that make you alter your technique, your approach. And like you said, kicking a ball through the uprights really shouldn't be any different no matter where you are in a field, maybe just a little bit extra oomph behind it or a little bit extra juice, you know, but otherwise the technique itself is the same. So what tips, I mean, and I'm, I'm assuming like in your current practice with the kicking academy, you're doing a lot of um, you know, technique training and things like that. But how much of your training with these kickers are you doing on the mental side? Do you also help them with that as well? Well, that, that, that comes hand in hand with the form because the, the only mental uh, advice that I give these kickers is, is learn the form. And then here's the mental side is, is trust the form. And if you can just learn the form and get good at the technique and everything about it, which is, it can be some challenge, challenging for some kids, but my point is really when you get something down that you can repeat over and over and over again, why would you have to worry too much about, you know, the result? And again, where I'm going with this is there's a lot of kickers out there that are, that are result driven, meaning they, they, you know, here's a classic example. How many times you see a kicker, which probably every single time, and I did it, but not nearly as bad as a lot of guys did do still to this day. When they line up, they're looking up at the goalposts. They're looking down at the ball. Looking up the goalposts. Looking down at the ball. They're they're convincing themselves that this ball I'm about to kick needs to go there. And they're looking <laughs> at a somebody in the in the fan in the, a fan sitting in in the back of the end zone there behind the goalpost that's a target for them to hit. And they're right, they're trying to kick that ball to that person really that's behind the goalpost, right? But it's 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 kind of you you have to get to a point where you don't care really where. You know, once you line up and once you get your 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 position where you're going to start your approach from, the lineup gives you the angle that you need. It gives you the distance from the ball and you. Um, so if you do the lineup properly, all you got to do now is, and I refer to it as pull the trigger. All you have to do is just go. When the ball is snapped, you go and you do everything that you've practiced. You don't obviously when you practice it a lot and you're good at it, you don't have to think about all the little details. So it becomes habitual. So you, you've developed these, these good habits that you, again, can trust. And so, you know, then in games, then and that's really the hardest part about the mental side that I'm teaching is the fact that you have to test yourself. You know, when do you actually test your trust in your form? Like wh what period of time in your in your development of kicking does that happen? It's, it's different for everybody. Um, you know, obviously in practice, when you're kicking on your own, it's easy to not care where the ball goes because it doesn't count, especially if no one's watching. You don't care if you make it or miss it. You just want to, I'm just going to see what my form does when I kick this ball. Wow. It worked, you know, you kick a good ball and it went through really well. Right. So then you start to see, okay, well, if I just do the form, the ball will go. Next test is in front of coaches who are charting you or something where, you know, you're, you're in a competition or something or right? for the young guys at, at one of these showcase camps. Well, now it matters. Now it counts. Can you trust your form in those situations? And you think to yourself, well, why, why wouldn't I trust my form? Because I was doing it, you know, last month and the month before, the month before I was doing really good. Why would I distrust my form now and get rid of that, that mentality where I don't care where the ball goes because my form is so good. Then of course, then you get good at that. Then you transfer that into actual games. And that's the hardest part there is, is the fact that 
that's going back to my original comment is like, when do you actually trust? When do you test yourself on trusting your form when you're in a game? Like where <laughs> I actually do virtual coaching with a lot of guys. And, and um, sometimes I've told them, you know, like I asked them specifically, like, who do you got? Who, who are you playing this week? You know, and oh, we're playing such and such team and we're, we're going to just totally dominate them. I'm like, great. You know what? Here's a great opportunity for you. When you get to a position where you're up by 40 or 50 or whatever you think you're going to be up by, why don't you just test your form that time? You know, the next extra point that you kick, just say, you know what? Screw it. I don't care if I make this. I don't care if I miss it. I don't care. I'm going to trust my form and I'm going to rely just on my form. I'm going to finish the kick. I'm going to do everything that I've done in practice and not care at all. And more times than not, clearly, I, I, I think I'm batting a thousand right now because every, every time they say that they've done that, they're like, it surprises them. Like I had no idea I could kick a ball that good. It was so unbelievable. And so once you start getting those, that's where the mental side is already taken care of. I, I've never had a sports psychologist. I've never had anybody to kind of, you know, to help calm me down before games. I've never sought any advice for, for game day preparation mentally. I've never done that. I never had to because it had everything to do with my form and my trust in my form. It almost became robotic for you. It was such muscle memory involved and all that stuff. You know, you trained so much. You repeated that action so many times. It just became automatic, I, I assume, in some, to some degree. Absolutely. That's exactly now, what it's supposed to do. A lot of kickers I've encountered throughout my career, because before I was a PA, I was an athletic trainer, and I worked the sideline a few games or two. Um, I noticed a lot of kickers were very superstitious. Did you have any superstitions or any pregame routines or things that you would do maybe that we might not have noticed out in the field uh, that kind of got you prepped or ready to, to do a kick or before game? You know, not really. I think that the biggest thing is just the routine part. You just want to do things that are normal in games. Like it, here's, a, for example, maybe a, a timeout. If a timeout is called before an important kick, most kickers stay on the field. They're testing the wind. They're looking at their plant foot. They're kind of do you don't have that opportunity normally. So why would you, do you think that's an advantage? And, and by the way, the wind is never the same where you're kicking it and, and the end of the, 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 the uh, end of the field there at the goalpost. It's always yeah. different depending on what stadium you're in, obviously, but um, don't ever rely on the wind where, where you're at right there on the field. Yeah. Um, that's one piece of advice I would give kickers <laughs> now, but um, that's the thing too, is you just, you just have to just go with the flow and just, um, and, and what I would do going back to your question, I, I would actually, if a timeout was, was, was taken, I would actually go back to the sideline, might take a little sip of water or whatever, kind of, you know, jump up and down maybe, I don't think I'd, I'd never had time to really kick one in the net. I wanted, I didn't want to deal with that. Um, but I did tell a coach, I told coaches that, you know, listen, when, when, you know, when you think it's time for me to run on the field, just call field goal again, you know, yell out field goal, field goal. So it kind of puts me in that rhythm. Like, okay, here we go. Here's a field goal. And there's just a, that's just a certain routine and the time that it takes to get out there, get lined up. The only difference is the referees sometimes take their time to blow the whistle. And that's a little bit of a delay, but Try to make it as more routine, as most routine or normal as you possibly can. Um, one other thing I didn't like to do, which I've done before, and especially if I had a bad – one superstition thing. that If I had a bad warm-up, I would retie my kicking shoe. Okay. I didn't like to even retie my kicking shoe. I wore the same shoe for the entire four or five hours, however long the games were. I kept that tight, tight shoe on my right foot. That's probably why I have arthritis in my big toe <laughs> on my right foot because like my right my toe is always smashed in there. Yep. Um, <laughs> But I never liked to retie my shoe unless I was having a bad warm up or something or something went wrong. You know, I'm like, well, I'm going to change my my luck here. I'm going to retie my shoe. Well, I don't really honestly remember if it worked or not. <laughs> that tells you how silly that superstition was. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, though, subconsciously it made a difference. <laughs> yeah. Now, with with the advent of social media these days, which was not there during your career, especially at the early onset of it, because um, I'm from that era too. Uh, you know, you didn't see all these guys on uh, on YouTube or TikTok. You know, um, booting balls 60, 70, 80 yards off a off a tee, or you know, with a little placeholder uh, ball holder there, and then you know people kind of commenting like, wow, like how is this guy not in the NFL and stuff? Um, what do you say to people who look at those videos and are like, I don't understand. Like, why isn't that guy in the NFL? Are you kind of like, listen, there's a lot more to it than just being able to kick a ball off a holder in an empty field with not, you know, no 50,000 people cheering and trying to throw you off your game. Like, how do you respond to that stuff? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes, I exactly kind of where you were going with that is exactly how I respond to that is the fact that, you know, when, when guys are, there's a lot of athletic guys out there and I've told many people this before in my, in my whole career, or even when I'm coaching, I'm like, listen, yes, I was at the highest level of football in the world. Yes. I led the NFL in scoring one year. Yes. I went to a pro bowl. Yes. I kicked a 59 yard field goal in a game in a dome. Yes. I did some really cool stuff. Right. I was once the most accurate kicker in NFL history, blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, I'm telling you, I'm saying not to impress you. I'm trying to tell you, you I'm trying to press upon you that someone like me could do that because I'm not a great athlete. And I'm here to tell you that there are so many much, much more better kickers than me in the world, like on their own, like you just, your examples you just gave. Guys that are incredibly athletic, that just absolutely, I've done charting events with Michael Husted and and pro camps. And I've seen some of the most impressive kickers I've ever seen in my life in practice <laughs> <laughs> keywords <laughs> then, yes then you put like like the, the whole week of charting they have to like for example michael he said used to run a, a pro camp and um we would do you know two or three days of charting and third day was really kind of a makeup day or whatever if they didn't chart, if they didn't qualify the first two days they had a chance to qualify on the third but if they did on the third they wouldn't have to kick on the third that coaches would be there this this nfl scouts and coaches would be in a, on the fourth day that was their pro day right well that's when they had to you know they had to qualify to kick in front of those coaches, but they had to be good enough to kick in front of the coaches, obviously, because they had to qualify. But my point is that some of these guys that qualified with ease, you know, kicking really good and I'm charting, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was a monster kick, you know, then they get in front of the coaches and, 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 and even those situations we didn't have, well, not all the kicks were snaps and holes. Um, okay. Most of them, maybe half or so, maybe a little bit more than half were actually just from the sticks or actually, I'm sorry, that's a lie from a holder, from a, an actual right. person that put the ball down and held it just like a holder would catch and snap. With sure, it without yeah. snap. And even in those situations, uh, the, again, it goes all the way back to my first point about trying too hard, doing something different just because it matters. Why would you do that? You know, and again, I know, I understand why you do it. I did it too as a kid. You know, even as a maybe in the in, in, in the pros, even at the NFL level, certain I was insecure about my my practice, my warm up. Maybe I had a really bad week of practice, and I just was not really you know confident with myself. But um, that's the thing is that you know you just there's so many guys out there that's so good, and and really it's not really the 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 players coming at you on a field goal protection and block you know in a game and they're blocking you and they're coming at you to block the kick. It's it's not the roar of the crowd. It's not the fact that you're on live TV. In my opinion, it's not. It's it's the snap and the hold. It's the operation in 1.3 seconds. That's really where, you know, the, the biggest difference between a guy that can kick 
off sticks, basically a little mechanical holder and kick really well. And then that same guy kicking with a live snap and hold is that there's a timing process that you have to get good at and used to. You have to be much quicker than you could, you know, you, you can, there's, there's, there's an ease to, to kick in on your own um, without a snap and hold because you go when you want to go. And there's a lot of other variables clearly, but when you're forced to go when the ball is snapped and you're having to rush and you're having to kick and you're having to make sure to make the kick or try your best to make the kick, things change. And that's really what separates really good kickers who can handle that and not change much. And just, and obviously you need to practice. Um, there's, you know, when you, you could ask the question, you know, how's this, how does the snapper affect your rhythm on a field goal it, and the holder too? It, it's a huge deal. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I really feel bad for, for teams that have to rotate snappers or rotate holders because you really want to have that, that good, um, camaraderie and, and meshing and, and kind of you know, camaraderie is really not the word for it, but you kind of do clearly because you, nowadays they have yeah. snappers only they just snap the ball and then you got your, your punter who's a holder typically and then you got the kicker so the three of them just walk around the fields and you know work out together all day long um and they get that that extra time a lot of extra time to yeah. get rhythm down and that's really where i'm going with that is there's a certain rhythm when you get snaps and holds yeah i think it's like a, a lot of other sports that you see like baseball pitchers and catchers have a certain rapport that they were able to build by practicing together and performing in games together and also got you know, five players on a basketball court. There's a certain rhythm, a certain tempo that they all kind of get used to when they're playing with each other. Same thing for kickers, snappers, and holders. I think it makes sense. Um, how, how did you prepare? I mean, what were some of your weekly preparations? You, you mentioned that um, uh, part of your routine um, was to, you know, develop this timing and this rhythm. How did you do that in a practice setting in in the days leading up to your games well i'll just get as much work with the snapper and holder as you possibly can and that's really where you know you're you're it depends on the team and 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 really when at the professional level you know if i were to ask my snapper hey can you stay after practice a little long i know they have meetings i get that so i i would you know make sure i would respect their time but if i needed extra work or something like hey man i just need some extra snaps and holds and yet you know at the high school level and even college level sometimes a little bit more difficult because guys just don't do that. They just don't think it's necessary, but I'm telling you it is. Um, but that, I mean, there's really nothing, nothing different. I mean, I, there's the preparation is the same every single week. Um, you know, you, you get the pretty much the same amount of reps every single week, depending on what team you're on, depending on the routine, as far as a practice routine, Wednesdays were typically our field goal, field goal block days, you know, there's when uh, Thursdays were kickoff, kickoff coverage or whatever, kickoff return, you know, pumps thrown in there. And then Fridays was kind of like a mixture of everything, but um, it's just a matter of just, you know, the team's kind of coordinating the, you know, the special teams practice portions and what they're actually focusing on. And it's, it's all about that. But again, you, you do have time on your own. Um, like back when I played, I, you know, Brian Barker was my holder and Brian Mormon was all my holder um, at the two, you know, bills and then the, the Jaguars, of course, but, and then Chris Hansen, of course, when he was here, my, my last, or yeah, my last year in Jacksonville, but um, you, you walk around with them and, you know, that year I had Joe Zelink as well. And that was in 2002. Uh, that was the first year that the Jaguars actually had a, a, a snapper, just a snapper, but um you know, it's just to get as, as much work as you possibly can with those guys just to get that down. It's really that simple. So a lot of the um, perception with kickers is that they're just kind of hanging around the locker room. They're kind of just strutting around the field, checking out things and kind of, you know, not quite under the, the, the lens of the coach and the coaching staff because they're kind of off there to the side doing their own thing, working out with their netting and whatever. But 
Um, I mean, they're athletes just like everybody else on the field. How did you go about dealing with injury prevention, which is what really we focus on here in this podcast, but also something that you had brought up earlier. Um, you talked a little bit, you mentioned briefly about your back. Um, how did, how were you able to do a lot of your injury prevention stuff? Well, it was, it was just a, it was a, it was a lifestyle thing, really. It was flexibility was important for me. Um, there was periods of time where, you know, I would spend a lot of time with my hamstrings and my glutes maybe, but I neglected my hip flexors and I didn't realize it till Mike Ryan, our trainer with the Jaguars, man, you got to get your hip flexors more flexible. And so <laughs> I started working on those, you know? And so again, it's, it's, it's the flexibility, it's the strength that a lot of core core workouts in the, in the, in the, uh, weight room. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of things that you're, 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 you're supporting the, the core strength and the flexibility, but the combination of those two things really, um, would be the best you could do. And of course, you know, eating, eating good. There was many times when I didn't eat great, but you know, um, you know, supplements, things like that, just things that will, you know, uh, joint help, you know, curcumin or turmeric, whatever, but you know, they didn't have that kind of stuff back in the day when I played. Sure. So, uh, that wasn't really available, but I just, you know, whatever I did to stay hydrated, yep. uh, definitely, definitely hydrated. Um, that's one big, big thing that a lot of kids, um, neglect uh and especially uh, people that um athletes in colder weather i that's one thing i did learn is like you know, man you know you're not thirsty you know and you're when you're in you know playing cold weather conditions and maybe you're living in like, like buffalo when i was in buffalo i you know i i constantly reminded myself or i had to at least to to drink um just drink, just drink water um because you know you get you, you don't get uh you don't get thirsty and so therefore there's really no need for you to drink as, as far as your body's concerned but yeah. your body should be you know getting a lot of, of fluids clearly so yeah um just those things and um so the back was something that inevitably became a problem for you in your career uh you had to deal with a lot of back issues you mentioned your hip flexors and um yeah those are huge when it comes to dealing with back problems a lot of times you can directly correlate hip flexor tightness with lower back issues. Um, tell us a little bit about what you experienced with your lower back and how that affected your, um, your, your, your ability in the field. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, um, you know, I, as I mentioned before, I think, you know, as a, as a kid doing like silly things, you know, jumping off houses, jumping off, you know, hundred foot cliffs into water and just, you know, um, uh, just a lot of, you know, strange, just things that we were just stupid. And, and just, we we're very active as a neighborhood, you know, clan, we'll call ourselves. We, we rode BMX bikes, we had big jumps and we'd crash all the time. But, but skiing is kind of where it started. I was a, a pretty big skier back in the day. Um, but, you know, going into, you know, kicking and then, you know, started to kind of bother me in, in college a little bit. And then I was diagnosed with a slightly herniated disc at L4, L5 um, disc area was, was a little bit herniated. So I was, you know, doing some treatment and therapy for it. Um, you know, a lot of kickers will have, you know, back issues just because of the, of the range of motion and the, and the, and the lateral lateralness in the, in the spine, of course, with the, with this, with the kicking with just one leg, of course. But, um, even though my style is more forward and I try not to turn, I don't want to turn too much. It still was, was to a point. And again, I wasn't very good with the technique that I really got good at. Um, I didn't really learn all of it until probably like my latter years in college. Um, so okay. all the way through high school and even college and even, you know, early on in the NFL, I was still turning a little bit more than I should have. And I was still kind of learning. It was still a learning process, but um, the back issues just got a little worse after over time. And again, when I was with Jacksonville, you know, early on, you know, we had a, a strength coach that was pretty adamant about, 
you know, he's kind of an old school kind of coach. He had us lifting heavy weights, even the kickers. And going back to my program, you know, we worked out with the DBs and the quarterbacks. Okay. So if I'm in there, I look at the DBs workout and I'm looking down his list. I'm looking down my list and there's only two that are different out of the 12 workouts <laughs> we have on there. I'm like, I've only got, I've only got two different ones than you do. That's kind of weird. Yeah. And all they were was core stuff like lateral twists and just the <laughs> stuff that had to do with my core, but everything else was heavy squats, heavy power cleans, you know, all kinds of like, you know, uh, things like that, that yeah. I didn't really, I just did them because I was part of the team again, trying to be a team player and didn't want to, yeah. you know, he's, he's the strength coach for a reason. He must know what he's doing, you know, yeah. but However, I threw my back out a million times in the weight room doing heavy squats and heavy power cleans. And, and, uh, and finally it got to the point where my back was, was really hurting. And, and I think it was in 1998 season. It was after my Pro Bowl year, my back flared up that year. And I was, I was on a lot of, you know, I was taking a lot of anti-inflammatories. I literally had, I believe three epidurals and this is the entire season. Okay. I had three epidurals and two nerve root blocks. Oh, wow. So I had five cortisone shots essentially that year. And you, you understand the, the yeah. effect of that. You're not supposed to have more than what, three every year or something like that. Or if that, yeah. well, the spine's a little different because they cool. can kind of, you know, get different areas of the vertebrae and around the nerve roots there. So there's a little bit more leeway when you're talking about the lumbar sacral spine okay. and the nerve roots. But yeah. yeah, that's still, I mean, if you're having to do that every couple of weeks or every week, like then that's spelling a trouble. Yeah, that, that was a tough season for me yeah. because I, you know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't, uh, do much. I just had to kind of suffer through it. And then I had my first surgery at the end of the season. So I played okay. through all the pain and, and, um, did all, you know, everything I could to just get through the season. Then I had surgery in, in, in January of 99, I believe it was, okay. um, that was my first. And then I had one, not too, like in 2000, not too much, uh, maybe after I went through the whole I, I don't even think I lasted a whole season and out of nowhere, like the um, second game of the year uh, against the Ravens, I, something happened. My back was really messed up and um, you know, I, I had five field goals in that game, but I was in so much pain um, and a lot of nerve pain down my left leg at that point. And that's when I had to, to go in for my second surgery. I was actually trying to play through it. We had a, yeah. uh, that next week, they put me on a medro dose pack, right? So I'm, I'm yep. taking a bunch of pills on the first day. It's like six pills, day one, five, four, three, two, one, all the way down to, but I couldn't take anything else. And I was living on Advil. Like Advil was my, my best friend. It was the only thing that really worked for me of, of all the access we had to all the medications and anti-inflammatories. I didn't get into any painkillers because clearly I don't, I mean, I'm smart enough to know that that's not even, that's a bandaid. And, and even the team told me, it's like, listen, if we get into the hydrocodones or things like that, we gotta, we gotta reevaluate and think about what we need to do next. Yeah. Um, but I never got there. So that was good. But um, you know, that week was, was a struggle. Um, and that's when I had that, like the night before the game, we were supposed to play the, uh, well, we did play the, I was supposed to play the Bengals, uh, with the Jaguars that, that, that Sunday, but we had a kickoff specialist by the name of Steve Lindsay. He was in, and, you know, because of my back, the way it was, they, they hired a guy that was, and I wasn't the greatest kickoff guy. So they, they had a guy, Steve was really good. He had a great leg and, and he actually, so it worked out great for the team because, um, I did go into surgery that next day. So I, I sat in the, I went to the team meeting on, on Saturday night thinking I was going to play cause I'm a dude, I'm stubborn. I'm like, ah, oh, I got this. You know, I'll wake up in the morning feeling great. Uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of nerve, nerve, nerve chain down my left leg. I still have some numbness in my calf. Like it's a, like a superficial numbness on the skin. Even to this that. day? Yeah. To this oh, day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, permanent numbness on my calf from that yeah. injury, but. 
Uh, so I didn't make it to the game. They put me, they checked me in the hospital. I literally watched the, the, the game that I was supposed to be playing and I watched it oh. in the hospital. Oh, that's a bad yeah, feeling. I was, <laughs> I was in traction, of course. They're pulling my legs with traction, of course. And I'm watching the game I was supposed to be in. But, but Steve did well. And, um, you know, I was out for, I had surgery the next day and I was only out uh, for four weeks. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I got in the first game they threw me back in was, uh, it was my decision too. I wanted to be back. And, yeah. Um, it was, a, it was a Monday night game against the Titans in Tennessee. So oh, my first field goal was like 48 yards. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's a test of no, yeah. if nothing else, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm so assuming that, what they did, what did they do? It's like some micro discectomies and stuff? Exactly. Nothing, nothing major where they fused your spine because otherwise no, you would have no, been. Yeah. No, just just micro discectomy, laminectomy. Yeah. Um, on two levels, though, L4, L5. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the really the part that was the, the, the worst part, and even to this day, my, the lowest disc, uh, L5, S, S1. Yeah is is almost gone I, yeah and those are the most common levels when we're talking yeah. about lumbar sacral lower back stuff yeah. it's always the l4 l5 l5 s1 so mm-hmm. not not unusual unfortunately a story to hear yeah. uh, when it comes to low back stuff which is some of the most difficult things not only to go through as an athlete but also to treat as a provider i mean it's mm-hmm. like so hard um you know there's only so much you can do like you said do too many injections at some point you're like okay where do we go from here when do you bite the bullet and decide to do the surgery? When do you say no and continue with the rehab? How do you fight through that pain? Because it can be debilitating. And I mean, I've been through it myself um, as, an, as an injured person. And I have a new respect for it after that. As a provider, you're like, man, I know what you're going through now. It's And it's not fun. Um, inevitably, uh, unfortunately, this kind of was the thing that probably shut you down um, uh, toward the end of your career. But this is a cool story, and maybe you can kind of bring this to the forefront here. You made a return, <laughs> like recently, too. Like, I didn't realize how recent this was, but like within the last few years, you actually came back to kick in an arena league at like, fi- how old are you? 50? You were yeah, 50? It, was, it, was, it was last year. It was last awesome. June. It was two Junes ago. Um, and I had just turned 50 in May, and um, I played a game on June 3rd for the, for the hometown Jacksonville Sharks of the. Uh, national arena league um i know one of the owners of the team he actually hit me up um well i reached out to him um prior to the season or well i don't know it might have been even last the year before i reached out to him because i was coaching a couple kickers and one of them um a couple kickers of, of the arena caliper and, and that were living here in jacksonville and, and one of them wanted to uh you know get into the arena and just kick around and see, see how he could do because he never kicked an arena before and so i called up my my guy and I texted him actually and said, I think you guys are at home. You know, can we get in there and, and uh, I want to see how my kicker does. I want to, you know, wants to kick a little bit. He's, he's pretty good. You, you might want to take a look at him too. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'll bring my shoe out too. And I'll, I'll, I'll strap up my shoes and play around too. Cause with my kicking Academy, I'm, I'm always demonstrating. Cause again, right. the, the things that I teach are a lot of it, you know, a lot of it, I, I have to show these kids that sure. it actually works because if I told you, to, if I did a certain thing with the ball and my approach and the way I swung, you'd say, there's no way that ball's supposed to go where it's supposed to go, where I'm telling them it's going. So I feel that I have to show them and I, and I enjoy it. I like, you know, there's not many kicking coaches out there that actually will demonstrate for their kids anymore. will not let alone a 50 or 51 year old coach, <laughs> like anytime, any, any given day without even stretching and without even shoes on, I'll go out and I'll kick. You know, I'm not going to kick a bunch, but you know, usually I'm kicking off a tee. So it's not, <laughs> not as bad, but um, yeah, so I did play a game and it was, it was weird. Cause he, he hit me up. He goes, he goes, um, yeah, we'll, we'll try to figure that out. And, and, and something happened. The ball was dropped somewhere and we never got in the arena, but he texted me before the beginning of the, the following season. And he said, 
hey, were you serious about that text last year? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm still working with the same guy. I want to get him in there to you know, kick around a little bit. And he goes, no, 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 not about him, about you. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean about me? He goes, would you want to kick? And I'm like, what, what do you mean for you, for the Sharks? He goes, yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so I, you know, I went through a training camp a little bit and it was so funny because I was, uh, and they had a kid by the name of Brandon Bear on the team who was a guy that I actually coached and he was really good. And I'm like, why do you guys want me to come in? Like he almost like maybe a publicity thing for them. I don't know, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, I had what, maybe four days of training camp. That's all they really had as far as kickers were concerned. And, um, and Brandon actually beat me out and I'm like, I was totally fine with it. I'm like, you know what? This is probably not meant to be. (laughs) I I was 49 at the time. But later on in that same season, um, they released Brandon. They picked up somebody else. So I'm like, okay, well, then really they don't want me. That's fine. Right. That's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm good watching the game on the couch, honestly. <laughs> um, but then, he, you know, that guy kind of, yeah, I don't know, he struggled a little bit, but he was hurt. So I think that was part of it. Yeah. I got the call from, from, uh, from, from Nick, and Nick says, hey, man, would you want to come in and play? I'm like, ah. Like right now, or he says, "Are you ready?" I said, "Well, I've been, I've been kind of messing around a little bit ever since yeah, I, I did the training camp thing." And so, yeah, so I, I, I took it. Yeah, I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll get in there and play." So I, I went on. I signed the contract again, another contract, <laughs> and then, you know, went through you know two or three days of practice, and then jumped right into the game. And and I don't know if it was just that game. I don't, you know, they we scored seventy something points in that game. I counted afterwards. <laughs> I lost during the game. I wasn't even counting, anyways, but. I kicked the ball 22 times in that game. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I was 50 years old. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I, you're I, probably I, after that, you're probably like, okay, I think it's really time I hang it up now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I could say around halftime, I, I realized um, there was a, there was a point in my career that, you know, I retired because my back it was really a mental, mental struggle. It was a physical struggle. It was painful. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hang them up. Yeah. I remembered about halftime, why I originally <laughs> retired from the NFL because my back was reminding me, like, man, what are you doing? Yeah, you were probably just running on adrenaline that whole first half, and when you yeah, had time, kind of settled down. <laughs> the more I stayed on my feet, the longer I was on my feet, the more my back started locking up and kind of it was just really tight. It was tough to stay loose, and I'm telling you, the next day and the next day and the next day after the game, like three days in a row, I was my whole body was shot. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. I called the coach. I said, I, I, you know, how's, is your kicker okay? Is he going to be okay to play this week? <laughs> Please tell me. Yeah, he's fine. I said, oh, good, because I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to retire again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, though. What a cool way to kind of end it, huh? Yeah, it was fun. It was a blast. I had a good time. So how did you, how did you, uh, any advice like for younger athletes out there that are maybe dealing with an injury? How did, how did you kind of push through and where, where'd you kind of get that fortitude to kind of work your way back each time from those surgeries and get back out there and kind of put it, put it behind you and kind of focus on what you're, what you were doing. And was there any, any, any tips or tricks or advice? Well, you know, at the, at the NFL level, you, you kind of have no choice, but I would yeah. tell any kid this, listen to your trainers and do exactly what they tell you to do and, and do more. Yeah. You know, do, do you, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Rehabil- rehabilitation is a lot of work. Yeah. And um, I got in some of the best shape. As a matter of fact, when I was with the Giants and I got uh, I want to injury reserve my first year out of my five year contract. When I went through after my third and fourth surgery, I had actually a staph infection from the third surgery, which oh, wow. was, okay. was an awful experience. Yeah, but uh, I lived, which they told me at the time afterwards that it was kind of a pretty deadly staff that I had. I'm like, oh, thanks. I had a pick line and everything for six oh, weeks. Yeah, that's serious. Um, 
yeah, it was it was pretty serious. But uh, throughout my rehab, though, I I was I got in great shape. I was like, man, this is like because their trainer was just kicking my butt, and I loved <laughs> it though. Um, so that's the thing. A piece of advice really is just to just take it serious. Do what they say. You know, don't you know? There's a lot of kids, and even I struggle with this too. Telling my kids stretch, do yeah. the splits. Splits? I'm not doing it. Do the splits. You know, they don't want to do the splits, but because it takes work, it hurts. I get it. I did it too, but do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of the advice is just kind of do, you know, be flexible, be have core strength and, and, and you know, work on that core strength to keep you yeah. from getting injured again. But, you know, it's just a matter of, of, of staying disciplined with everything that the, the trainers and doctors are telling you to do and, and just do it. And, and, and focus on, you know, the, the, you know, obviously the good technique, don't overdo your kicking. And, and, and even athlete, any athlete out there would, would agree that, you know, obviously you don't want to jump into it too early. You know, I know that there's, there's two sides of athletes really, um, especially at the NFL level, well, kind of at the NFL level, there's, there's athletes that just are team players that just love to play and win and want to play regardless if they're injured or not. Yeah. And the other ones are like, yeah, I'm just kind of, they kind of maybe sugarcoat it a little bit like, Oh, it's hurting. I'm not going to, I can't practice it because it hurts. You know, there's, there's all kind of guys too, but, but you know, the, the, everyone has their own little differences with regards to, you know, playing time and stuff. And I'm telling you at the, at the NFL level, you are, you're an investment for the team and the coaches. Oh, yeah. So uh, every day, Tom Coughlin would come down to the training room and, you know, see all the guys sitting in the training room and, you know, tell them to get back on the field, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mom, we got to get on the field. I don't care how you broken the leg, you broken leg or not, get out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm sure uh, Coughlin wasn't so subtle about it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So awesome stories. Um, now you, you set the bar pretty high there in Jacksonville. I mean, you were there for quite a while. You were with a new organization that formed. Um, do you still hold a lot of their, their scoring records and kicking records? I, you know, Scobie came in and, and blew me out after uh, 10 or 11 years, 10 years. I think he played here. Um, um, the, the thing I got, it, it took him eight years to do what I did in seven. So what I'm, what I'm okay. saying is I just came, you know, I, I, I did, I was seven years here as, as a Jaguar. I held that you know, all time scoring record for a long time, yeah. but it took him seven years or eight years to do what yeah. I got in seven and beat me as far as my record, but, um, scoring records. No, I'm not up there anymore. I mean, like second place, I guess, but, um, with regards to the, the one record that no other kicker in the NFL or Jaguar history will ever break was the first points in franchise history. That will never there be. There you broken. go. There you go. Perfect. I'll, I'll always have one. And that's a good one to have. I mean, that'll yeah. be in the record yeah. books forever. And Scobie yeah. just destroyed my long, my longest was only like 53, you know, and he just you know, <laughs> nailed a 59 yarder for a, a game winner yeah. against the Colts. I was actually there. He kicked it right at me. <laughs> you know, but, and I, was a, I was a fan, of course, watching the play. But, yeah, uh, but he didn't score the first points in franchise history and I'll never take that away from you, which is pretty true. cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, are you still involved with the organization at all? Do you still kind of work with them at all, consult for them or anything or help? Yeah, them out? I mean, I don't consult with them. We're, we're part of an ambassador group. So um, matter, matter of fact, uh, this weekend is our legends weekend. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know what, how to take <laughs> this. But I'm going to be on a cruise. I, I earned an incentive cruise, this company I'm working in. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'll be in the Bahamas in the, or actually Western Caribbean cruise in Mexico and stuff. So, nice. um, but there we have, I think over a hundred uh, former Jaguars coming back to town uh, oh, well cool. a lot of them are actually here in in, in town um nice. i've been a part of this ambassador group for quite a while and we have we have a good number of people that uh players that uh were, were jaguars at one point and maybe have whether they retired here and stayed here or they've gone to other teams and then, and then when they actually retired they actually come back to jacksonville so nice. a lot of guys from from older teams and uh some of them i don't like i don't recognize them you know i, <laughs> I, I recognize the name maybe from 
from watching them play. But uh, some of them, I'm like, mm, who is that again? Like, yeah. so we're getting, we're getting, you know, uh, as an older team now, you know, um, nice. So we're getting yeah. a lot of, a lot of players coming back. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk off camera. Maybe we'll get some of those guys on the show. Um, now tell me a little bit more about your pro form kicking Academy. This is a, a, a thing you've got kind of on the side. This, is this your full-time thing or you've got kind of a side gig that you do with this or. I, yeah, this, this hasn't, it's, it had been kind of a full-time thing for me for quite a while. It, you know, I've, I've always dabbled in different things. I consider myself an entrepreneur and you know, I've, I've got my, I've had this kicking Academy for 18 years almost. So, okay. um, and, and the guy, uh, Jim Gatano, uh, was the coach that I had that, co- that, that taught me everything I know about kicking and punting. And he actually, uh, we, we played for the same high school football coach, but at different times and at different schools in Spokane. So we're both okay. from Spokane. Um, that's how, when I got in and he actually came out to the school when I was in high school and worked with me a little bit. And then I didn't see him for a couple of years when I went off to junior college. And then I met up with, with him again, halfway through my, my junior year of, uh, at I, university of Idaho. Uh, so I'm in the game. He, you know, said hi to me after, you know, at halftime, even it wasn't even like, Hey Jim, how's it going? He's like, Hey, that one extra point you had, it didn't go straight. You know, I'm like, it's a coach, always a coach. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, Jim, let's, let's have a conversation first. Before we <laughs> but he's, he's here coaching with me. And so he, he does, I mean, that's all he wants to do. And he loves it. I mean, he's just, he's so passionate about coaching and, um, so I don't always have to be out coaching. And so I've, I've also done other stuff with, um, with a proactive wellness company. Now it's called three international and we okay. do, uh, we have innovative, uh, uh, delivery technologies in, in the supplements that we, we offer and bioavailability is really good and, you know, all plant-based, all natural, um, really good products and we're only eight months old and, um, nice. it's a direct sales company. So we're, we're just new, we're brand new to the market, but doing very well. And so that was where the, the cruise, that was the incentive cruise that I, that nice. I won. But so my kicking Academy, I've been doing for, like I said, 17 years and you know it's it's um here in jacksonville of course i I've, I've i do virtual as well but um you know like i said the stuff that i teach is a little it, it's advanced um i do have kids you know in high school middle school even um some college kids you know obviously if they're from here or or you know during the time they're not in college they'll work with me a little bit when they're coming back um during the off season or whatever but um, I, I enjoy it. I really do. It's a, it's a passion of mine. I, I, I want to, you know, give kids the idea. And I, one of the things I always open up with when I'm working with a new kid, I say, you know, look at me first off, you know, usually I, I see usually because I'm not a real big guy. I'm like five, seven on a no, five, eight on a good day. You know, I'm telling you with all my back issues, I think I'm shrinking, you know, I, was, <laughs> I swear I was five, eight at one point. Um, <laughs> But, well, yeah, I tell them, I say, look at me, I'm, I'm five, eight. And usually they're taller than me because you know, I'm just a short guy. Right. Even in <laughs> middle school, sometimes they're taller than me. And I say, you know, I'm not a real big guy. I'm not freakishly athletic. I'm not big and strong. Um, there, I played in the NFL. I did. You know, I t- told them all those things I was mentioning to you. And I, and I say, I, you know, it, it, I want to, you to understand that somebody is 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 like me was able to do what I did. And it wasn't because of those three, three or four things that I just mentioned, because right. I'm not. Um, I'm not real big athletic guy. I'm not real freakishly tall and big and strong. And I'm yeah. just, I'm just a, an average athlete that got good at a, at a technique. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what your athletic ability is. I mean, you have to have some to kick a ball somewhat decently, but, um, you know, you can get very good. And that was really my goal. When I started learning this, this form, I, I, I it became a passion of mine to learn it and be as good as I possibly could be. And that kind of transfers into, uh, my mentality of where exactly or how how high of a level of kicking I wanted to get to. And clearly, I wanted to be the best that I could physically myself. And that's why I tell kids, too. So listen, you know, if, if you have really good athletic ability and you kick athletically, you're only going to be as good as your athletic ability. 
and, and, and as, as long as it lasts. Now, you might be a real good kicker, but if you're not very good of an athlete and you're relying on athletic ability, you're probably not going to be a very good kicker. So let's try to do some good technique. And so if you're not a great athlete, if you have good technique, you can be a really good kicker. And so do do as much as you can with the technique and get as good as you physically can be kicking a football. And then that is your maximum. You, you can't do any better than your best. And whatever level that gets you to, you have to be happy with. And that's exactly what my mentality was growing up as a kid. Even I never thought about playing the NFL when I was in high school. Um, not even my first couple of years in college, I think about NFL. Not, I didn't think about NFL until maybe my senior year of college because I started timing kickoffs. But man, my, my hang time is just as good as these guys. And they're kicking <laughs> off a three-inch tee back then. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, man, I got, I got a, I got a good leg. I could, I could give this a shot. And so I did and things worked out. Awesome. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out to you or has some interest in hearing more information about your kicking Academy, I'll make sure I have all the notes and everything and links in the show notes, everybody. So if you are looking for some advice or want to maybe get a coaching, uh, program going, uh, you can check out the show notes. Um, Mike, thanks for joining us. It's been a great uh, conversation. And um, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. Um, I used to have a segment on my podcast that I called the Throckmortensine Injury of the Week. And it usually, it, it's a satirical medical thing. I'll let you look that up on your own time. And um, it was always like a weird or funny uh, story that caused an injury to an athlete. And I had done one a few years ago, and it involved the Jacksonville Jaguar player, a kicker. Uh, by the name of Chris Hansen, who you mentioned earlier. And I'm wondering if you can maybe validate this story for me, because it sounds almost crazy uh, to be true. And this might have been a little bit after your time. I'm not sure. Uh, head coach Jack Del Rio put apparently a stump in the locker room. And Chris Hansen was taking a whack at it with an axe and missed. That 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 is a true story. Um, that was Jack Del Rio's um, uh, kind of his concept of chipping away throughout yeah. the season. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take this axe and, and every once in a while, guys, just take a little whack at the act or at the uh, at the log with the axe, and we're gonna chip away at the season. You know, before the end of the season, you know, the, the this this log will be almost gone, or maybe I don't know exactly what his philosophy was, but yes, that did happen. Um, Chris, <laughs> he didn't have much luck. Here's another story. Maybe you not, not do not know about that. Um, <laughs> I can add to this. Obviously you, you've taken that one. That, that yeah. kind of a, a story that was kind of, and you know, I think somebody else got hurt by the ax too. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> he finally took the, it took the log out of the locker room and the ax and said, okay, that that's not working. Let's try <laughs> Um, however, Chris Hansen and the poor guy, and I, I hate to even share the story, but, uh, he laughs about it now, him and his wife and, um, another kicker and his wife after I left, of course, um, can't remember who that was, the other kicker, but they were, they were at Chris's house, um, uh, doing fondue, right? So they had this really, really hot oil. That Jarrett were, Holmes. Jarrett. Yes. Yes. Yep. And so they were, yes. So, uh, Chris <laughs> was taking and, and I, I asked him, you know, obviously after it happened, he was all distraught and I, you know, I let the dust settle for a, a month or so. And then finally asked him and he gave me the whole story. And yeah, he was, he's moving the big pot of oil from one table to another and it slipped out of his hands, fell land on the kitchen uh, floor and splashed everybody. And his wife got the worst of it. Oh really? Oh, but man. it burned a lot of, you know, burnt Chris, yeah. um, his wife and, um, I don't know if anyone else did, but yeah, the poor guy had some bad luck sometimes, but, um, he laughs about it now. We can all, yeah. we can all just, uh, you know, yeah, that happened. 
What were you going to do? <laughs> yeah, crazy story. But uh, it was one of many that I've shared on that segment, which I, I don't do as much anymore, but uh, I, I had to ask it since I had you on the show just yeah. to at least confirm the whether or not it was true. And you've done that for me, so I thank you. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Hollis, former kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, pro baller, record holder, um, entrepreneur, businessman, coach, Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Injured List Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Scott. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com.